Welcome to The Odds Pod. I'm Ben Hennessy. And I'm Dave Hendrick. And we're the team behind the Scout Comics title, The Odds, a story about one misunderstood monster's quest to hug as many villagers as possible with his special intestinals. It's not his fault the normies don't like him. I love him, though. Anyway, each week we invite a new guest on to share their favourite apocalypse stories with us. Be it Black Hole Sun, a party like it's 1999, or that we're dancing with tears in our eyes. We want to get down with disaster, clap along with catastrophe, and play air guitar with Armageddon. So, today's guest... She's a screenwriter, a TV writer, and a hugely successful games writer. She's a narrative director of PlayStation Savage Games, and we're hugely grateful to have her here with us today. She is, of course, Kim McCaskill. Hey. Kim, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you on. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So no usually problem. when we kick this off, we ask our guests a little bit of what they're doing, uh, what they're working on, and what they previously worked on. Do you want to maybe fill in everyone on, on who you are and, and, and what you've been working on? Oh, get, I'll try my best. Uh, so, yeah, so as you said, I'm a, a narrative director for PlayStation Savage, which is PlayStation's new studio. We're working on a new IP. And, yeah, that's kind of taken up the majority of my time at the moment is building a, a new story for, for a game, essentially. And aside of that, I, I do write television and other things as well. Uh, most recently just came out as a series I did called Stolen Hearts, which is actually a podcast series um, read by mm-hmm. Kerry Godley. And that came out. So if you enjoy things about, I don't know, being divorced and giving it a go, only for it to go terribly wrong, then you know, that, that's the kind of thing for you. Cool. Just don't try. Just... Sounds on brand for us, yeah. to be honest. Well, yeah. the <laughs> Apocalypses and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very much a don't try. <laughs> sort of <laughs> just don't bother trying. One and Gary, done. Gary Godleyman's <laughs> so pretty, pretty great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Oh, she's fantastic. Oh, she's just so, so good. She has like a really lovely warmth to her voice yeah. where they like, you know, try and put in jokes and she just has that way of making it sound like butter. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way I, I hear my own, like, I hear like my own voice when I write things, everything sounds incredibly awkward, but then she just takes it. She just makes it sound so effortless. So Amazing. I'll take credit for it regardless. But it's, just, uh, it's in the right. It's in the right. <laughs> Dave doesn't say that when I read his scripts. I'm not at all. Polar no, opposite we'll, effect. We'll, we'll get there one of these days, man. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about what a, a narrative director does exactly? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing with the games industry because when people ask me what a narrative designer is or a narrative director does, I'll be honest, it's never the same studio to studio. And a big part of that is because games just changed so fast and so quickly that um, depending on the game you're doing, you know, a narrative director will have different things to do like sometimes you'll just be writing dialogue sometimes you'll be right involved with the design mm. sometimes you'll be talking to Pomeranians this is probably what you're hearing right <laughs> now uh, but, um, but yeah sometimes it's writing sometimes it's designing sometimes it's both um, for me I've kind of done a bit of all of that over the years and, and again it's just because when people advertise a role like that no one really knows what it means so it's you have to be quite blunt and, and ask <laughs> I think the years have been able to pretend that we know what it means is, is over now and it just it's it's a game to game situation okay. uh, currently I, I am doing all of it and part of that is because Savage is such a small studio given that it is quite new so I am definitely wearing a lot of hats like for example I'll come up with the storyline, the world that it's set in, the characters, the character bios, uh, I'll be in charge of the cinematics the, oh, cool. the, the casting, the voice directing and on top of that, I'm kind of married to the design department as well. Like anytime uh, we do come up with a design thing, like a combat move, a weapon, narrative has to be involved as well because okay. ultimate one should be serving the other. Mm-hmm. So so really, it's, it's a long way of saying that I'm kind of in everything. And that's kind of how PlayStation games go. PlayStation are known for very narrative-led games. So because of that, narrative is... Yeah, well, I can have to do everything really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. At, which is different. It's like I used to do, I've done everything from like um, tiny wee mobile games about car racing, where, you know, storylines were really not the, the thing that people played for. They were playing for car parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd try my best to write storylines in there, but then I'd just have my heart broken watching YouTube videos of a guy skipping past it. <laughs> so you get the bits of the Porsche that you wanted. Oh. So it's uh, varies from game to game, but this one is quite full on. And yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a good. It's a bit rare to have that much on your plate, isn't it? So, like, is it kind of nice to have that much of a say in a, a kind of a, a part to play in all those departments? Oh. Because usually you get a small little piece of that pie to, to take a bit <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah, you know? 
No, you're absolutely right. And uh, yeah, I'm loving it. I think it definitely um, suits my God complex. (laughs) 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 I've been given the the amount of runway I've been given and the power I've been given to be so involved and to be a director as maybe before I was a writer taking direction now, now I'm kind of given an opportunity where I'm so involved and I do have a much bigger voice so it's a lot it's a lot of work but it's uh I'm really enjoying it you know there's a reason that I did join the video games industry and it was to do exactly this so yeah so yeah it's, it definitely takes a lot of my mind each day I'm definitely shattered <laughs> at the end of each day but you know I can't think of a way to do it so yeah grateful <laughs> grateful awesome. for it and just uh, are you how, from sorry sorry Ben how did you find your way into that? So like a lot of people who listen to this would, you know, have one eye on, on the creative arts as a, as a, as a job. So how did you find, like you were in comedy, is that right? And you kind of <laughs> yeah. sidestepped your way into video games or. Yeah. I think that probably gives you an indication as to how unclear my professional path was. I fell into games by total accident. I mean, these days it's quite saturated and it's very competitive. So when people ask me, how do I get into games? I honestly don't know how to answer the question because when I joined games, there was literally a guy in a dark alley going, do you want to be in a game? (laughs) I mean, they were that (laughs) desperate. They would would pull anyone off the street to be involved. And this is at a time where even the idea of writing a story for a game, this is when like games like God of War were just winning BAFTAs for storylines and stuff. This is a very new uh, kind of era for games really. So Mm. suddenly uh, the games industry which had previously could have relied on their own designers to write dialogue or come up with any cohesive storyline. They're now going, actually, we kind of need to be up there with the eloquence of storytelling. So they started to look for TV writers and movie writers. And I was banging on the door of television for years. I wanted to write sitcoms. I wanted to write comedy. And I had a little bit of success. But then because they were so keen on getting other writers, I just happened to apply at the right time. And the first studio was Rocksteady um, for the Suicide Squad game. We were just kind of wrapping up the end of Arc Night. And uh, as it goes, you know, I was a massive comic book fan, so that played in my favour. And it was it was lucky because um, I just had to do a writing test and that was it, really. Cool. And it was fun being able to write characters that I'd heard of before and fell into games when I got offered. I, I couldn't quite believe it because suddenly it was like a salaried job as a writer. You yeah. I mean, no writer ever thinks they're going to get a salary. And um, normally you're lucky if you can get like a project for an episode or two and yeah. um, kind of get quoted based on that. But, you know, this is a company that we're going, we'll start you for two years. And I was like, two years Brilliant. to write a game. It blew my mind because at that point I didn't know anything about game design. So I just literally thought I was turning up, writing the script, handing it over and going okay. to keep it so when he said two years i was like i don't know what this is going to be like Hmm. and um so so from there kind of started and that's when i realized how (laughs) i definitely bitten off more than i can chew it was a baptism of fire i think anybody who thinks they can walk into a game studio with no design understanding whatsoever you know they're in for a bumpy ride especially in, in a studio like rocksteady which only had 250 people and i was one of two writers so people are coming to you all the time asking questions, but they're using like game terminology that I'd never heard before. And I never felt so stupid. Um, a whole, it took about six months of serious humble pie before I think I could actually talk on a level where I could yeah. I could understand games. So, so on one side, um, it was a, an accident. It was a happy accident. It was mm-hmm. like being very humble to learn. I, I know that that wouldn't really happen today, uh, but that that is that's what happened. Today. Wow, Absolutely. that was real we deep. Desperate, yeah. we both needed the money. That's that's how it went. <laughs> that, that is deep end stuff, though. I mean, that must have been a really tough six months. But fair play to getting through oh, it. Like, yeah, no idea. Like, I think the one thing I'll say about that as well is that you will hear gamers and game designers using game terminology, and I started reading a book. It's called the Narrative Toolbox that um, someone gave me to read. And I read it over Christmas because I was already feeling really stupid and just very insecure, just imposter syndrome to the moon. I don't know if I can do this. Like, you know, I just feel so stupid every day I go in. It's like, you know, I could, you know, I could feel myself stuttering over the things that I was saying because it's like before I'd even started speaking, I already decided that what I was saying was stupid and probably didn't make any sense. It's a horrible place to be. I'm going to read this book and I'm going to read it, you know, cover to cover. And then that was it. It was like doing a course of Duolingo and I thought I can speak games now. (laughs) I felt so cool about myself and I walked in the next day and then realized that the way that these words are used in the book are very different from how they were used in the studio. 
And that's now realised that game devs use words a lot, but to mean so many different things. And mm-hmm. I just had to put that book straight in the bloody bin because <laughs> <laughs> I the way that everyone sounded like they really knew what they were talking about. Actually, yeah. there's a little bit of kind of hot air in the yeah. way that we use words. And and uh, and that's when I realised that no one knows what they're talking about. And that was that was really refreshing. It took me six months to realise that. Right. Uh, I just everyone sounded so savvy and so professional. And it took me six months to kind of get a grasp of the design, but also to realise that the other half of it was... Uh, people just make stuff up as they go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is just the games industry in general. We're all kind of. I think it's it. a. I think it's a lot of industries in general. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But but that's awesome. So um so from there so you you worked you you worked on Suicide Squad from the start, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. That was my first ever game. Amazing. So <laughs> <I know. laughs> straight in with like DC's big hitters and. Oh, it was yeah. It was. I, I don't think I could ever downplay what a baptism of fire that that really so, was. I mean, so you, you were putting words in Harley's mouth for for, for oh, that game. Day, yeah, day one. I still remember um, kind of getting shown like the tools and stuff that we used. Mm-hmm. We're using a, a tool called Artisy to put in the dialogue, and um, I had like a template for Wonder Woman, and I put in a line, and then that was it. And I said, "So what happens now?" And I said, "Oh, that's it. It's in the game." I hit enter, and they're like, "It's in the game now." And that's it, it's straight into the build, it's playable. And I couldn't believe it. It was I thought there was gonna be like a review process. I'd have to show people so I know it's in the game. If it's if it's anything problematic, QA will pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> that was I couldn't believe it. It was like within like 20 minutes of learning how to use a tool, I'd accidentally written my first your first like, line first for Wonder Woman. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It was probably Amazing. just like testing one, two, three. So if you're playing like when <laughs> Wonder Woman suddenly interrupts a fight and goes testing one, two, three, that's really <laughs> uh so there you are. Did you find that you know, maybe your 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 background in comedy and uh, writing jokes was kind of helping with the likes of Suicide Squad or Harley Quinn in particular? More than I think I ever realized going in. Um, I think comic books are quite jokey anyway. There's a lot of very mm. clever play on words and things and that sort of stuff I loved anyway. So it's, I think for me, I kind of have a habit of loving stuff, stuff that's scary and dark. But I can't go too far with the tension before I have to crack a joke. And I think something like DC is very good with that because, you know, they mm-hmm. do have very dark themes and very serious subjects, but then there's always a joke, whether it's coming from the Joker, whether it's coming from... Yeah. Harley Quinn or someone else is it never gets too serious without someone yeah. cracking a joke, even in the yeah. face of the worst possible things, like an entire city being blown up. There's a joke in there eventually. You know it's what I mean? Be. I think yeah. it did suit me more than I realized. Awesome. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, the new Blue Beetle trailer yet? Uh, no, I haven't seen the trailer. I know it's got the guy from uh, Who We Are in the Shadows, um, and it's a Harvey. Oh, Harvey, yeah, Harvey Guillaume, I think. Is that, is that, is that what we do in the shadows or who we are in the shadows? What we do in the shadows, yeah. That's yeah. the one. I always yeah. say it wrong, uh, but I love that show for, for some right. reason. I never get the title right, but I know that he's in it. Uh, but no, I've not seen it. Is it there's good? A, it, well, it looks, yeah, it looks fun, but there's, there's, you know, it's the most recent iteration of Blue Beetle, so uh, it's Ooh. the one Cully, Cully Hamner and, and those guys came up with. So it's more kind of spidey you know, mm-hmm. that kind of template, you know, a kid who who comes from a bit of a poor background and suddenly finds himself with all this power. But there's a great line at the end of it um, uh, in, in the trail. I won't spoil it, but it's just one, it, it's exactly what you were talking about there yeah. where, you know, all this big shit happens, you know, yeah. life-changing events, all the rest of it. And then there's just one quip and you're like, oh man. <laughs> like, yeah, it just, just makes it easier. It's something that's really great about a lot of the DC villains is their ability to downplay the violence and so on that's going on. Um, and we, if I was to, if I was to kind of put it down into one actor, I just think Jim Carrey, who played the Riddler, uh, yeah. and Jim Carrey, pretty much anything that he does, whenever he plays a villain, whether it's Sonic the Hedgehog or not, there's that kind of silliness to the ser- seriousness. Uh, with DC, it definitely comes during gags and wordplay. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, that's one of the one of the great things about DC for sure. I mean, DC doesn't take itself that seriously as well. I mean, we're looking at a whole company where they have a character like Codpiece. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Codpiece. His whole yeah. thing is done as a penis or Bat Cow, <laughs> who is an evil cow who can hypnotize people. It's like just condiment king, 50%. Condiment king, yeah. 
who's literally <laughs> fifty percent Chad, who's literally just a pair of legs. That's his whole thing. You know, I mean, he has no torso, no heads, no shoulders. Yeah. That's a villain. So it's uh, you know, they they know how to not take themselves too seriously. I yeah, think. and I, you know, it's funny because because they do have uh, recently they've gotten a rep for being too dark and too serious. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they did. You know, this is the the company that created the Great Lakes Avengers. You know, and yeah. you know, allowed allowed you know, or or the the sorry the you know Keith Giffen's Justice League and stuff like they they absolutely mm-hmm. allowed um people just like some of their best writers just run riot with <laughs> their characters and take the absolute piss like Hitman, you know, yeah. Like James Gunn taking over DC is one of the best things ever, but I just I just hope he announces like a Hitman TV show. It would be amazing. It'd be a great way to sync up some other characters as well. Oh, big time. I just want to see Superman have his boots puked on, you know. <laughs> no, it's interesting, and I think you're totally right, because I know it go way, way back. I mean, I'm, when you say 80s, I could be wrong, could even be earlier than that. I know that Marvel was slightly in trouble, and DC was seen as like the punk of comics, you know I mean? That's where all the fun stuff is happening, so mm. people get to be a bit darker a bit sillier and so on obviously things have changed a lot now but i think it does fall into like the almost like the kind of the taste or like the trend rather like for example for a long time we were enjoying the dark side of things we were enjoying the dark side of batman the idea that the villain and the hero have more in common and they want to let on and everybody's damaged everybody has faults and then we go back to that 2d cowboy thing of good is good and bad is bad and that is it i think Marvel certainly falls into that category a little bit more, although they, you know, they have their moments, but uh, they definitely have that divide of who's a hero and who's a villain. Whereas yeah. they, I think certainly like to play more the human elements of the villains because it's one of the great things about their villains is you know people like the Joker, like say anyone can be the Joker after a bad day. It could be anyone. They're slightly not aspirational to be evil, but slightly <laughs> aspirational to understand why they're doing what they're doing and how they could have got to that place. I think DC certainly explored that a little bit uh, more, um, but Marvel does have its moments as well. Do, do you have a favorite DC book about that kind of stuff or a favorite title in general or? I think my favorite DC comic is written by a guy called Frank Thierry, who I'm very honored to know. And he wrote a, a comic book that I was reading at the time I was uh, doing Suicide Squad, and it's called Old Lady Harley. And oh, it, nice. It, it's, imagine Bubba Hotep meets all the DC villains. They're all in an old <laughs> Like, Riddler can't remember where he's put his pants and stuff like that. You know, they're all just nuts and they're senile. Harley's still in that same outfit, even though, like, she's in her 80s. <laughs> Nice. Moves <laughs> her down to her knee, like Catwoman's got cataracts, and she's in like yeah. a little. But they, but then they get words that the Joker's in time. So these very old, old DC villains have to kind of group together to take on what they think is is going to be the Joker. Like even Batman's like very old. He's like plugged into like five hundred cables. Uh, you know, he shits there. He doesn't ever move. <laughs> he shits That's it. It's a, it's very funny, um, and I think it's it kind of represents the things about DC that I absolutely love. Is like these characters, no matter how dark, no matter how how weird the storylines are, you end up caring for for them on a serious level, even yeah. when they're absolutely ridiculous. Um, so yeah, so I recommend that Frank Terry, Old Lady Harley. I actually tried to write a TV pilot for it, but I don't think they still ever let us have it. They did it with Logan. Logan. They could totally they could totally run with something else after that. It's it's, it's, it's a completely different property. I remember well, seeing some of the covers, like uh, even the the color palettes, even kind of looked like uh, Old Man Logan stuff. And yeah, I've never well, read it though. I must check it out. I think the animated series did very well for Harley Quinn. So I think we're maybe yeah. talking about trying to pitch as an episode, but I think for, for that to get its own live action series, I don't I think if it was going to be done, even though Frank wrote the comic, I dare say it would have to be heavy lifted by bigger people than our our reselves. So yeah. never say never. But uh but yeah, you know, I, I have I've had the pleasure of meeting Frank a couple of times. Have you? Oh, I good. have, yeah, yeah. C B introduced him to me, I think probably the f- First, first or second New York Comic Con I went to, uh-huh. and uh, and yeah, you know, so Frank being Frank, you know, I was I was introduced to him, and I was this guy from Dublin, and it was like, yeah, New York, the big city, and uh, CB goes, oh Frank, this is Dave, and Frank looks at me and goes, so fucking what? <laughs> it's, 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 he has that proper New York accent. Oh, he's amazing! Like, first yeah. time, first time I met was on a Zoom call was because I'd read that comic. I thought I need to meet this guy. I want to yeah. write the TV episode. And normally, could it go in? And I don't know if you Irish fellas have the same thing. Sometimes you can up your accent a little bit going in, almost like a defense. Sure, I wouldn't know what you're talking about there. So <laughs> I, I was going in like full Scottish, expecting this guh to be like a full blown Ellie type. 
I was like, hey, Kim, how's it going? And it was not, it was just like, hey, Kim, who do you know? What's yeah. going on? And at that nice. point, I just thought, oh, God. <laughs> I, think was, I think there was a moment where I could see it in his face as well, where I was like, I can't out accent your accent either. And it was like, <laughs> it's like we both felt very vulnerable. <laughs> just two people with accents. <laughs> two people with accents. And uh, and yeah, in a very big time zone. So I think half the time Frank gets messages from me, I'm like a bottle of wine deep, being like, Frank, I'm going to bed. And that's, that's our relationship. <laughs> so... That's awesome. I can, I can certainly see you guys, yeah, sitting. Setting DC and Marvel on fire. Um, Absolutely. Whatever, whatever you guys are doing. So, look, everybody who comes on the show is asked one big question. And yes. Ben's going to ask you the big question now. So, yeah. Kim, what is your favorite apocalypse? Well, I think we're living in it right now. And that is the, the continuing and growing apocalypse that is AI. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's happening. This is revolution of technology is is getting pretty dangerous yeah technology's um, for for the better isn't it it's meant to make our lives easier and everything and you know yeah it's all good right yeah i mean i mean it's that way like i said it's almost like convenience is killing us it's like you know like i kind of said previously like um before we recorded it so when i think about movies like terminator and ai mm-hmm. they made it they made it as if you know humans would fight just a little bit. They'd fight against the threat of robots taking over. Whereas now it's just like, no, give it more space. Give it more yeah. rights. It's like, you know, just whatever it needs, you know, so long as, you know, my kettle boils that little bit quicker and, you know, I don't have to do mass in my <laughs> more than 20 seconds. It can own me. It can own my family. Just like, I will breed for it purposely. So it will have human slaves to continue on this ongoing apocalypse that it's trying to start. I mean, I think everything from how it would start an apocalypse to how we would react to an apocalypse, I feel like I would even have to react, I think. It will do it for me. It will scream for me. It will, you know, barricade the house for me. So when I when I'm looking for ideas of how do I deal with an apocalypse, I'm going to be asking AI, and it's going to tell me. It's. Uh, I feel like you know we're kind of boxing ourselves in, but uh, it'll be dead convenient along the way, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally dead so convenient. Uh, my house is going to get so smart. You know what I mean? So I'm going to be sat there in my little smart home cage and uh, waiting for it to let me out. And then I'm probably not going to want to go outside because, uh, no. yeah, I'll need to go supervised by some sort of robot that will. Yeah, it was like, taking, so a, it... taking a sample of the atmosphere, you know, to make, make sure it's uh, it's breathable after whatever terrible disaster has, has occurred and it will decide for you and. You know, maybe, maybe there's an AI out there that's just going to decide for us all and really nothing's happened and we're all just stuck inside being slaves for the AI, you know, it's... it's. But is that how they're going to do us? Are they going to have us like death by Wally or is it death by a robot assassin that tracks us down and, and oh, takes I, out I, the I human race? Have. Does anyone have chat GTP? We should just ask it. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know what? I've, 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 I've stayed away from, from, from chat GBT or oh. GPT or whatever. Just like, because I write and it's like, I just don't want to start doing that. Mm. It just feels like, I don't know, it feels like a mortal sin against writing or something. It's just like... I tried to troll it and it trolled me right back. That is really? thing. Yeah, so I, I tried to... So I think my, my prompt was, it's a horror writer who's trying to write a novel and the AI asks if it could support... And anyway, and the writer comes back and said, of course you can't. You're just an AI. You can't help. But then the AI does something to scare the writer. And within 10 seconds, it wrote this amazing story. It was funny. It was scary. It was elegant. It made total sense. When I put that something to scare the writer, it totally filled it in. It put something genuinely scary in there. And I thought, damn, 10 seconds. seconds. (laughs) We're screwed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's crazy. I think it's it's just that kind of, but but this is this is where I think it's going to get as well. It takes me back to an, uh, an article or way back. I mean, it must have been like I mean, I was still at uni, so like eighteen oh five. Like, uh, no, I think it must have been like two thousand and four when I read this, and there was an article talking about how we used to use things like abacuses and so on to help with mass, and it yeah. helped to use that muscle in our brain, and like any other muscle, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I was going to get us because we're going to get so dependent on it that we're going to stop thinking and problem solving and we're going to be babies you know what i mean we're going to be totally defenseless we're going to be relying on it for, for everything i mean can you yeah. imagine the world in 50 years time would we rely on this so much and then it just stops working <laughs> yeah that's, yeah uh... but that's that's the possibility down the road right because this is becoming such an available resource to almost every industry yeah I mean, i'm reading stories about it helping people um 
uh, becoming doctors and reading stories about people like in film and games, writers, artists, you name it. It seems to be having an effect on just about everybody. I'm seeing teachers have to figure out how they're going to grade essays going on because like um, they're not getting like their a yeah. pluses they're they're getting c essays out of these things no problem and they wouldn't know that it wasn't done by the yeah. student and so it's affecting every industry the teachers are now using the same ai to mark the papers <laughs> <laughs> it's genuinely happening they're actually doing it. yeah they are actually doing it so so students are using the ai to write the essays and teachers are now using the ai to mark the essays and everybody's getting paid in grades so wow <laughs> nobody's learned a thing they're all there's... pretending they're not using it so they're just getting away with it like both sides of that coin you know I like that yeah there's a very quick solution to that I think isn't there it's just nobody do anything and then you know uh, we'll be fine because what's the point if you're getting your work done by AI getting your work corrected by AI surely one cancels the other out and then mm-hmm. if we don't do anything at least we don't use AI I don't know it's, yeah. it's, it's like where does it end it's, it's, it's... terrifying yeah I, I think there's like... sorry no, you go for it. Go for it. There's a bit of a lag, so I don't want to catch him now. So if I, if I start talking, I'll, I'll stop in a second. Sorry, guys. Like we we talk about it a lot in games, especially, and um, our tech artist Savage, a guy called Phil. Shout out to Phil. He is he is really interested in it because from a coding perspective, you know, I think initially with the AI, we just thought it was copying other people's work, but actually, you can get this AI to code things, and it's not just coding; it's coming up with groundbreaking, innovative code on its own. That's terrifying. So it's not um, even a case of wow. copying and pasting. It's now thinking and it's creating things that have haven't been done before. Um, that's where I get a little bit scared because now it's kind of almost sentient. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Skynet. That is but that's that's how it's put together. Like when I was looking this up during the week, like I found out that it's actually programmed to solve something in such a way that it gets you to say, Oh my god, wow. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's the most efficient or best way to answer a question. It's the one that gets the biggest response for you. So it's kind of built to give you a bit of a shock and it's built. It's not, it's not given a resource uh, or an algorithm to think about. Yeah. Like kind of uh, like doing something without any kind of moral is just built to only impress in a certain so it's got way. a wow factor built in. That's so- all it's got. So like it'll do that regardless of anything. And that's kind of scary, you know? Yeah. All of it's scary. What are we going to do mm. for a living, guys? What, what's I don't know. I'm not a good gardener, think... you know. I'm, I don't know. It's, it's, it's scary because anytime I think about any other job, when I sit down and think about it, AI could mm-hmm. do it entirely or at least partially. Um, I don't know. We're just going to have to live in the woods, I think. Yeah, is this Again, the, the singularity? Is, is this actually happening? Are we in it now when we're in... A kind of a universe where well, you can't tell the difference between a computer and, and, and a person, you know? I think our kids are gonna disown us and hate us when they look back and they look at how we how we dealt with this and just went, Oh, this is really cool. Look at mid journey. I can put an elephant's head on a yeah. on a lion's body. That's awesome. I made that. Uh and and subscribed to it though less, you know, put money towards it. We were funding this as we're going as well. It's uh, people are now making professions out of AI, like AI artists. I don't know if you see them yeah, on yeah, yeah. It's normally what does, you know, Superman look like as a baby, that type of stuff. Yeah. I thought they'd be doing better stuff, you know. I mean, I thought they'd be doing killer stuff. It's just any character you can think of, what what if they look like a baby? I've just I've just seen loads of uh, Kubrick versions of things, you know. Mm. So if Kubrick made Superman, if Kubrick made Batman, if you know, yeah. it's like, okay, guys, get over Kubrick, you know. Um <laughs> and then they're just nicking art from everyone. Everybody, yeah. You know? That's the yeah. problem. I'm seeing the journey get a bunch of lawsuits in Oh yeah, a lot more recently, and um, it, it's interesting because I don't know what the law is here specifically, but I'm seeing what's happening over in the states, and there's this weird law. So it's uh, God, did I write down the name of it? It is the looking for it, looking for it. Well, you're doing that. I'm adaptation, gonna... adaptation, right? Okay, yeah. right. And if it's owned by someone else, and you adapted without their without their say so, whether it be free AI or whatever it is. That's still illegal, mm. but there's an element of that called the transformation law, where if it becomes another element based on that, then it's fine. So that's kind of like say, um, Spaceballs taking the mic out of Star Wars. It's yeah. a different product. It does a different thing, different message. It's it's okay then, but if it's just a direct replica of it, then it's not okay. It's not transformative. And but presumably, it would law. it would take a judge to decide ultimately who's done what. You know, and and yeah. whether it's uh, adaptative or or adaptive or not, or, or not. Yeah. and 
you can't bring every single perpetrator of AI art to. Yeah. Um, sorry, if you can hear barking in the background, it's because there's two crazy yappy dogs after walking past my office. But um, it, like you can't do that. You know, it's, it's going to be hundreds of millions of cases. So how, how do you mm-hmm. do it? There's, I mean, are there going to be test cases, AI cases? Do we get AI judges? judges? Judges and AI, 100% judges and AI. You'll get that done in a day. Just a million <laughs> cases one day. Everyone's sorted. I mean, I mean, th- this is this is. I mean, this this is definitely where it's getting to to scary standards because we're looking at a time where we could do deep fakes, we could do AR, yeah. we can do everything. I mean, like we're going to be looking at a time where someone can on CCTV film someone being murdered and it could entirely be fake. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, like even this conversation right now, this could totally be faked. Um, this whole podcast could be fake. Voices can now be replicated uh, just by taking like a thing. That a 20 second sample of someone's voice that can completely replicate your voice to make it say whatever they want it to. Nothing Crazy. is safe anymore. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think anyone can truly comprehend uh how how it's going to affect our planet. So it's so what people are mm-hmm. doing. The second best thing that we do is work out, okay, well, we might not be able to work out the full future of it, but you know, how do we make money from it? And that seems to be keeping people a bit saner with, with more short-term goals in terms of, well, how do I make money? And then I'll worry about the rest later. Uh, <laughs> so again, this is why I, I kind of was trying, I was torn between AI and Jurassic Park. It's the same <laughs> in terms of the apocalypse. It's short-term profit, and then it's, it's some other generation's issue to clean up the mess, right? I, I think it's, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if you're hoping for like a happy apocalypse. I don't think this is going to be one. I, we're screwed. Uh, we're totally screwed. <laughs> and the worst thing, the worst thing about this is I pay for Midjourney and I have chat GTP on my phones. I'm saying this. I'm not listening to you it. right now. It, it knows. Is, it's like being vegan, right? You know what I mean? And some ways it's like being vegan. I entirely agree with all vegans on principle and I will not stop eating meat. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, <laughs> It's, 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 yeah, I think it starts, it starts with, with the individual. And unfortunately, this individual is doing nothing to help the situation. Yeah. So <laughs> we only imagine the rest of the world. And a lot, from along with plenty of other individuals. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. It, it does require a regulation body or someone like that. Does it, like, it, does it go, does it need something like a Geneva Convention type thing? Like, I, I have a, I have a solution. I have a solution, yeah. right? If or, we change all of the interfaces, whether it's mid-journey, chat, GPG, whatever, into Clippy from Microsoft, right? Perfect. Everyone will just get really <laughs> fucking annoyed with it and, and they'll stop. I mean, that works. That works on Word. So, you know, I think I think we should only ever have an interface that's us asking Clippy to do things in AI. I mean, I Hashtag think- bring back Clippy, yeah. I think you might be onto something, even from a profit sense. I mean, it's almost like technology's too good mm. that we should actually be starting to make it a little bit worse so that we you can bring out the slightly better one in five years' time and just have a solid, Oh, yeah, yeah. Bake in some obsolescence and some, yeah, some, some unattractive features so we can, you know, we can pretend to have worked on them. And then, yeah, you're right, in a couple <laughs> of years' time, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've you actually, don't like that, boy. Made I've actually, I can attest to seeing, like, the... The opposite of that. I saw someone put together a kind of a HAL type thing that you talk to on your your tablet, but it's like the cutest little animation of the nicest little thing you've ever seen. And so it's like, oh, it's just going to get us that's a younger age. That's yeah, a yeah, mogwai. That's yeah, a mogwai yeah, exactly. waiting to be a gremlin. Yeah. That, that is, yeah. <laughs> yeah man. I might like the Furbies when they used to learn how to speak or something. It was. It looked like They're, one of those kind of things. They were know? terrifying yeah. anyway, guys. <laughs> Did you see that movie? Um, the the animated movie on Netflix. Oh, I can't remember. But there's a there's a real piss take on Furbies in it, and and there's one giant for it's oh. about AI actually, isn't it? It's about robots. I feel like I know what you're talking about. It yeah. was oh. Mitchell's versus the machines. Yes, oh, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I think my favorite moment of that is when the kids criticizing how a dinosaur is portrayed in one of the stores, and yeah. he starts talking about how it's not from that that time period or something like that. And I just thought, oh, there I am, finally represented. So that's your thing. Nothing for me. That did. Yeah, you, you get you get you get pedantic about you know the Jurassic and the Cretaceous and the that, that kind of stuff. You know, it's 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 pedantic, but it's also like uh, it's because it's right. It's it's right, and it's and it's pedantic. It's also because I you know I'm I'm generally not that bright. So if I do get a topic and I do have something Dead that up. I know about, everybody needs to know about it because it's, <laughs> you know, that's my party piece for life. You know what? I'm I'm 35 and I'm still doing it. You know what I mean? Stuff I learned when I was a, like a 12 year old. You know what I mean? And I'm like mm. that still makes me sound smart. I do not know anything about politics. I'm terrible at maths. You know everything else. I'm I'm probably you know not that great. But dinosaurs. That's um that's what's going to get me through life 
Yeah, well, like, awesome. I can attest to that kind of thing as well. I think my wife is fed up with me talking about D and D. You know, just just stop. Yeah. So you talk about dragons, fake dinosaurs. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, it just reminds me, like uh, being accused of being a, a a pedant or whatever. I, I, you know, and 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 saying you're not you're not pedantic. You're just right. I was accused of being arrogant in a, in a job interview years ago, and and like and like that was the feedback. Yeah, you didn't get to roll. Yeah, because you know you came over across a bit a bit arrogant, and I was like a bit arrogant. I was right because. <laughs> An argument had, had come up, you know, a debate had come up as part of the interview and I, and they were completely wrong. And I was like, no, 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 I'm right. And this is the thing. And this is why it's right. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you can, yeah, it can work against you sometimes is, is yeah. the point I'm trying to make it. And God, it worked against me. But uh, now you landed on your feet. It's all right. Hey, now. Yeah. Right. That's the main thing. Jobless, but correct. Is, yeah. Is the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Title yeah. of my autobiography. Yeah. 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 but proud. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, it's bleak. It's pretty fucking bleak, this AI thing. I just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It, it, is it none of us working and having some kind of universal basic income? You know, because I don't see, uh, you know, a socialist utopia awaiting us at the end of this. It's it, it's it's just going to be the richer getting richer, the poorer getting poorer, and you know, the the gap widening. You know, I think one thing to add to this as well. I mean, one thing that I think it sets us aside from other technology advancements that you know we've seen before is the apps like Chat GTP and so on. You, you know, these aren't funded by i don't think they were funded by huge huge companies with millions i could be wrong a lot of these apps are just made by you know a bunch of guys getting together and making it open source you know what mm-hmm. i mean so it's, it, i think normally we'd see something like that and, and a huge company would try and buy it immediately but like, here's millions no one else gets it but us whereas now this thing has been so accessible to your average joe so it's uh it's, it's become very widely accessible very quickly yeah. Uh, before um, other people can really intervene. So I think that's a scary thing that's happening now is that it was given, you know, people have been feeding their data into it and, and now it's available to everyone. Um, whereas normally, you know, normally I think I could have said war might slow it down later on, but then I don't even know if it would. Um, I think, yeah, normally this is the kind of thing that they could have, the one percent would grab onto and go, okay, we're going to make money out of this for the next hundred years. But actually it's whether or not they're going to be quick enough to grab it Mm-hmm. Whether, whether or not that's the moral thing to do. I mean, do we need scary rich men to step in and take it away from everyone? Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? I don't know. It's, uh, what do you guys think? Maybe we might need a, a suicide squad to come in and take <laughs> this thing out. You know, I think uh, we could be bunched because seeing, you just mentioned about the numbers and how popular it's gotten so quickly. And it's, it is something that could be potentially harmful. Um, but there's a hundred million users on ChatGPT and it took Gmail to get, to 100 million in in five years, this thing has flown it in no time at all. And I think I, I do think what's going to happen here is unless it, there's a, a regulatory body for this, like it, it's going to have the bad kind of change. I think if we put in some kind of commonsensical person uh, ahead of this, um, Flippy. the like the likes of like um, I'm trying to think of his name now. What was it? It was I think Jeffrey Hinton who's been trying to discovered this kind of stuff for a while like uh, he's he's kind of doing it backwards where he's been looking at how the human brain works and try to apply that to uh, ai and see if he can kind of figure it out and other people would argue that you need ai to figure out how the brain works um but i i think like in those kind of studies you need someone who's extremely um ah oh, sorry what's the word that's escaped me now when when you don't believe in something um skeptic, skeptic. Need someone very skeptical about it uh to to really approve this properly. Yeah, I think I, I there think is w- there is a route for this to work. I think in industries like I, I, think, I think like in animation, like in coding, yeah. there's an area for this to, to take some work out of the pipeline to make I, things. I don't simple. think the people who make decisions and the the people in power really care what it's going to do to the entertainment industry mm-hmm. or to the arts. It's only when it comes for money, when it yeah. comes to the markets. Yeah. And when somebody creates an AI that's one step ahead of the market and starts gaming the system to their own personal advantage, I think that's when people when when people will step in and say, "Oh, we can't have this," you know. Well, um, here's a scary bit for you. One thing I heard was the raw models that came out for people to test randomly before they were put out as as a chat, whatever. You were able to ask it things like, 
show me how to make the 1950 or 19 whatever bird flu. Um, if, if I'm trying to bomb this building, where's the best place to put the bomb? Show me how to make what? the bomb. And it no would show them how to questions. do it. Exactly. If you're mad. Yeah. He's, this is just it. In the hands of the wrong person, it's extremely dangerous. Well, in the hands yeah. of any person, really. I mean, if you hand anybody that kind of information, that kind of power, someone someone will go off the deep end. Everyone will mm. start thinking that way, you know. Yeah, we'll have loads like, of jokers. Like, like all over the place. earlier on, you know, you're one bad day away from being joker. This, well, this, this makes is... it a bit easier, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. But this, this is what I think goes back to what we've seen before. It's I mean, if I used to guess what's going to happen is I think laws are going to come into force big time, but only because someone with a crap ton of money is going to come in with millions to make sure that it does get banned unless certain things are mm-hmm. put in place. And of course, those things that are put in place to, for it to be allowed are probably going to be making someone a lot of money. Because if you think about the knock-on effect that AI is going to have, I mean, the industries it's going to impact in total, the, the losses that, that are potentially going to be hitting companies unless they find a way to combat this are huge. So again, it's going to, it's, it's kind of trying to watch the, I'm going to call them fat cats because that's like a comic bookie thing to say. We just assume they're all evil, right? Uh, evil yeah. fat cats are going to come in and they're going to change the law because they have the money to do so and then try and profit from it which means that average Joe won't have that access anymore and and then again it comes down to that question of is that the safest way to stop the apocalypse even if the evil person has all of the control mm. would we sleep better at night knowing that one person has all of the control or you know do we still want a future where everyone has access to it and no one person's in charge. This is where it gets very philosophical, I think. Um, but it's, it's it's definitely a question worth asking, I think. Yeah, but I mean, we, we live in a world now where everyone has a platform and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene get elected. So, you know... <laughs> It, it it could it could if everybody has access to it it could it could lead to God knows what you know just yeah I mean a, a, a hundred million jokers if 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 yeah. that's the analogy we're going for you know that's it yeah. that's if the AI isn't ahead of that decision making process you know do I press the nuke <laughs> button or not AI will figure it out and we we will know. Well, it needs people. It needs input. It needs people to live, doesn't yeah. it? So so I don't think it's going to kill us all, but it might just kill a few to play with us for a bit or something like a cat you know i'm gonna get um, ChatGPT down and be really nice to it just to be sure i'm one of those few guys yeah. i'm like i'm not i'm not even looking at it um <laughs> wow yeah so that, that's that's heavy that's uh yeah that that's an actual apocalypse i think that's uh, uh coming our way if not happening right now um, yeah definitely um, but again, I think it's either going to burn very quickly and, and uh, the laws are going to come in, but only to profit someone else, or it will continue as it is and the world will be on fire by Christmas. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, we I have heard some good it. stuff. They have put in a little bit of a ban at the moment, or they're trying to put in a bit of a ban. Yes, it, Italy have outright banned it a few days ago, I think. And uh, they're trying to put in something at the moment that stops people um, working on an AI search program for... Uh, until something else catches up with it. I can't remember exactly what they're talking about, but there seems to be some kind of effort towards a regulatory body, but I don't know if it'll actually catch on, you know? Yeah. Can it be used for good? Like, can we can we use AI to fix the climate? Can we use AI it to saved a find life. the missing... Yeah. Have you heard that story? I think I think of like the elderly and how lonely they are. You know what I mean? And they're just like, you know, having a little AI person, that's where it could be used for good, right? Mm. Or or learning, you know, like for, for kids that don't have access to education, right? You know, AI is going to be really, really useful and be able to to teach it in a way where, you know, hopefully it's a bit more digestible than just reading a book. I think I think there's plenty of good things. It's just unfortunately mm-hmm. humans can't be trusted with good things. You know, AI in itself is is not inherently bad. It's how we use it. That, that could make it very bad. You know, technology is never the issue. Again, go back to Jurassic Park territory. The, the science <laughs> didn't go wrong. The science went very, very right. It's the humans that did the, the, the terrible things. And I think AI is the exact same. It's just, I think the human can, condition with that kind of power is is just problematic. But it can be, I think, yes, definitely can be used for good. It's just, I don't think the good's going to outweigh the risk that we'll willingly throw ourselves at. <laughs> Yeah. So with, with with great power comes great responsibility. It all mm. comes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. We have um, to hope that life doesn't uh, find a way. Really? Um, <laughs> <I laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll leave now, guys. <laughs> I mean, like, imagine if Elon Musk was the person that was in charge of something like mm. that, right? That's a worry. Yeah. You know, the guy who's changing his own website consistently, like he's expressing himself like some weird adolescent phase that he's going through. Unbelievable. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that is someone who I could see easily if he could, he'd buy it, and you know he would. Of course, um, he would. Yeah, yeah. then what would you do? 
Yeah. Oh man. Just like having having a global tantrum via AI. That yeah, that's that's not gonna be pretty, is it? Um okay. Yeah, so, everyone on Twitter though, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean yeah. you, you just have it in your little echo chamber and you're like, Oh, I didn't like that thing. And that's it, and it's over and it's fine. But if he does it on oh, you know, I... he'll find a way to get it into your fridge and your light bulbs and your, you know. Yeah, you he'll can't. find a way to have it parent his own children so he doesn't have to. You know, I mean, that's the I kind of thing that he's AI for. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if Elon decides, no, you can't have any fresh food. I'm going to switch off all the fridges, you know, until <laughs> until you start worshiping me more. Like that, those kind of things. You, know, yeah. you can all live in the dark. I'm switching off your lights. You know, like, he is like every DC villain in a way. Like you yeah. said, he's got the power, but he's cracking. And it's interesting because I think he actually posted a picture of batman and i think the the implication is like he relates to batman wow yeah again it just felt so dc origin in terms of how many villains start off absolutely worshiping batman get disappointed and then no he's syndrome from uh oh yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i mean uh, yeah he's like he he might be a dc villain but he's he's third tier he's like you know he's maxi zeus he's you know the ice cream guy wasn't there a guy who could turn people to flavors of ice cream you know he's clearly penguin you know i mean he has powers money you know (laughs) it's like you've got some money and that's it. Like, kind of um, looks like him. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Was that was that like a mini stroke or something? I, I I never looked it up, but someone mentioned something. I can't work out his face. Is that natural or does something happen? I think there's I'm a bit sure. of structural yeah. kind of was there work plastic in there as yeah. well. And it's hard to tell whether it's work or a terrible accident that's that's happened to his face. It's like it's yeah, I've been trying to work it, but I keep forgetting to go. Either it. way, could, could be a deep fake. <laughs> Who knows these days? You know, not neither is good. You know, have you had work done yeah. or have you had a terrible accident? <laughs> <laughs> Questions you never want to hear, you know? Um okay, so Kim, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. But if people want to reach out to you, check out your stuff, get in touch, whatever, follow you on, on social, where where will they find you? Oh, it's gonna be Twitter. Um my Instagram's private because I don't trust myself. Uh so Twitter, <laughs> you can find me at Kim McCaskill number one. Uh that's not letters number one. That's not how I view myself. It was just the only available handle. So that's my name with the numerical number one at the end, and you can find me there for really mediocre tweets if that's if cool. that's your vibe all eyes comedy gold <laughs> just just pure rage i think it's I, <laughs> I don't know if it happens to you but i find like the days where i'm my most depressed and my angriest that's when i get the most likes on my, on my tweets so i'm like god and happiness is key to success yeah every sense. big time <laughs> big time it's uh i i i'll share this with you and it's it 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 haunts me and it, it today I was reminded of it again, right? So I had I never I have this rule, I never shit post, right? Because I know how hard it is to get something made. It's yeah. it's incredibly difficult to get get anything made, whether it's it's a, it's an essay you've written or a, a feature film. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just hard to make things. And people who make things, we should we should be proud of them, we should, and they should be celebrated. Anyway, I made a mistake. Right, hands up, I made a mistake. <laughs> I I was really looking forward to Michael Mann's Heat Two, the sequel to Heat. Mm-hmm. Right, and he was bringing it out as a book. I was like, great. And I really didn't have time to read it. It was huge. So I said, I'll get it on Audible. So I got it on Audible and, it, you know, to, to listen while I was working out or whatever. And um, it, the the voice just didn't do it for me, right? And it, it, it moved me to make a tweet about that. And I tweeted, maybe getting E2 on Audible was a mistake, right? And I left it there, right? And then... I got one one like, and it was it was uh, our, our our great friend Declan Shelby like liked it, right? So that was fine. And then I just I I I was prompted. I don't know why to 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 explain. And I said it's it's kind of like listening to a really <laughs> really edgy fifteen year old trying to convince you how cool they are. And that was it. And that got one like, but it was a like from somebody I, I don't follow. They don't follow me. And I was like, okay. And then, uh, and that, that was kind of bugging me. I was like, why is this guy, why is this guy liking my tweet? You know? So I just looked at his profile and there was a link in the profile, which was about heat too. 
So it was an, an article about He Too. It was like, He Too, great book, whatever. Blah, blah. So I had a look at that. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And then later on, I put the book back on, on Audible. And there's his name. And he's the oh, narrator. God. He's yeah. the actor. You know? That is the worst thing. Mm. That is the worst thing in the world. So that's when what it gets very human very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. And then the people pleaser in me was like, okay, I'm flying to Los Angeles. I'm going to find this guy. I'm going to tell him, I'm going to bring you, Ben. <laughs> and you're going to tell him, like, I'm a really nice guy. You know, I, I never do that. for you. We got this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're man. paying so, for my flight, though. We're good. So, 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 Peter, if you're out there, I'm really sorry. I'm really <laughs> sorry. But that's it, though. I mean, I think one thing can be relied upon is like, you know, you, you even if you you do have a huge following or if you have that one like, the person who's probably going to see it is the person Googling their own name, right? Or Googling something that's, that's related to what they're doing. I, I had something similar. It wasn't me, but um, I think I was, what was it? It was, it was Orphan First Kill or something. I thought, great movie, really enjoyed it. You know, I think, uh, you know, given it was a kind of prequel, great mm. job. But then it was someone else someone that followed me ended up being like, oh my God, I hated it. It sucked. It's like the worst. And just went on a bit of a rant. And then I realized that the writer of the movie had liked my tweet. And then it sent me into this oh. panic to DM the person that had replied to be like, would you mind removing that? I feel really bad. It looks like they can see what you've done. They're like, no, that's my opinion. But I just felt so awkward that I'd given this, like I, I was like, I love something like that. Yeah. Because Twitter won't let you delete someone else's tweet even if, if they reply. And it just felt so awkward, I thought, because I know that they've seen that. And that mm-hmm. can't be nice, you know? So it's, um yeah, it's I think that's the worst thing about uh, Twitter for sure. Yeah. Is, especially if you only get one like, you just think, ah, oh, you know, it's fine. No one's going to see it, but the, you better believe that they are. Uh, <laughs> oh, just just one of those moments when you're like, yeah. like I kind of had a suspicion. I was like, yeah, there's no way. No, it can't be him. Oh, it's him. Yeah. It's him. I'm going to yeah. crawl inside myself and die now. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a brilliant Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that could be made out of something like that, you know, Larry trying to trying to explain to someone that actually he's really nice, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's like the opposite of Jay and Silent Bob where they went around the world punching people who bad-mouthed them on internet, isn't it? It's just trying to convince them you're a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favourite uh, Jay and Silent Bob moments is definitely that and I keep referencing that because there's just something so cathartic about watching that scene. Yeah. So especially like being in the games industry whenever because there's always something going on in the oh, games yeah. the hate the vitriol it's always there and you see these little nameless faceless trolls yeah, the eggs. Opinions, oh. and you're just like yeah. and it's just it's, it's definitely a dream of mine if I could get away with it um, <laughs> yeah. I just want to win the lotto and then we go around we punch everybody it'd be great yeah I know I said mean things done yeah first name bunch of numbers yeah <laughs> I think it should be like, you know, when you turn 50 or you're 100 or I think it's when 100 when the Queen sends you a letter. I'd much rather just permission to punch anyone that's upset. Me. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be much better. Yeah. I mean, I need to get someone else to do it for me because, you know, I'd be too old. My wee bones would be brittle. But, you know what, if, if, if Charles... That's even better. If you could pick who would punch for you, that'd be real good, you know? Yeah. Oh, choose, whoever's the world champion, champion at the time. Yeah. 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 I would I would deliberately live till 100 years old if I knew that that is what would <laughs> This is the option. You know I mean? It would now, keep me alive. That thought would keep me alive. Now, are you limited to one person to punch or can you have a list? people because i mean if you live to 100 like i mean my list is already big but like it's gonna yeah. be yeah oh no i think you should i mean if you're living to 100 i think to only choose one person is probably i think a solid 10 a solid yeah. 10 yeah. at least if they're still alive yeah <laughs> that's the other thing if they're dead can you can you hit their children you know <laughs> well, i think that's fair i think that's fair yeah 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 well let's do that okay we'll wrap it up there Thank you I so think much, on the note kid. of beating up children, we should go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Try that, AI. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favorite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Benessy. That's B E N N E S S Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty, and we'll see you at the end of the world.